Welcome to Worship with All Saints, a broadcast ministry dedicated to personal growth in God's Word. Please visit our website, aschurch.net, for more information, including our service schedule. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of Thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love Thee and worthily magnify Thy holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Psalm 99 The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and He is high above all the people. Let them that praise Thy great and awesome name, for it is holy. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at His footstool, for He is holy. Moses and Aaron among His priests, and Samuel among them that call His name. They call upon the Lord, and He answered them. He spake unto them in a cloudy pillar. They kept His testimonies and the ordinance that He gave them. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. reading is from the third chapter of Philippians, beginning at the seventh verse. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. 
brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Gospels written in the 17th chapter of Matthew, beginning at the first verse. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. The Gospel of our Lord. Jesus, 
the only begotten Son of God, was crucified outside the city, openly, lifted up for all men and women to behold. But he was transfigured in the mountain and witnessed in his glory by but a few. Indeed, all have heard about and seen his work upon the cross. But unfortunately, so many go no further and thereby fail to know his true majesty. There is much in the Bible which is shrouded in mystery, things that God has seen fit not to reveal unto us, obscurities and shadows which lie far beyond our mortal comprehension, things which we cannot nor need not ponder or think that we can understand. However, the event that today's Gospel reading describes, that which we call the transfiguration of Christ, although it is truly as mysterious an occurrence as can be imagined, is not one that falls within this category of a hidden mystery. The Son of God, the Word of God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Reaching the peak of manhood, He began the work for which He became incarnate. He began to make known the Father unto His people, speaking to all of the kingdom of heaven, of the spiritual blessings that would be theirs, of the new birth, of their eternal souls, of the Father's love for them, of why He, the Father's only begotten Son, had been sent into the world, and what He must endure at the hands of men. His time here on earth, as a whole, was not spent, metaphorically speaking, on a mountaintop, but rather mostly in the valley, beneath clouds of suffering and sorrow and being misunderstood. Rarely if ever did the crowds, those for whom He was to sacrifice His very life, relate to him other than from the viewpoint of their limited, earthbound condition, never rising above their own interest and cares, more often than not considering him to be nothing more than a great teacher or prophet or worker of miracles. Their interest in him were primarily dictated by the concerns of their own well-being, desiring only those things that they could see and touch for physical healing, the filling of their bellies, seeking from him only those things which might benefit their daily existence. In a sentence, they sought after him only for what they might gain from him, not because of any understanding or desire to know who this man, he who was in actuality so much more than man, truly could be. We read of the thronging multitude, pressing in upon him, following him everywhere he went, but who nonetheless did not understand him, who he was, what his words meant, why he did not take up their cause, free them from their Roman oppressors, and usher in the kingdom that they had been taught the Messiah surely would do upon his appearance to them, the chosen people. We know that he had to draw away, to separate himself, to depart to places of solitude, often in the middle of night and the early morning hours, that he might be able to pray, to be strengthened, to once again breathe the air of heaven, that place where he had been from before the foundation of the worlds. We wonder with incredulity at how the people could not recognize divinity in their midst. We are astonished by the unbelief of those who were in daily contact with him, amazed at their inability to acknowledge and recognize him for who he truly was, God in the flesh. And as it was then, so it ever remains true. Christ in his love and mercy and grace continually provides for the true needs of His people. However, for so many, those provisions are ends in themselves. 
even for those who know they have been made whole, whose faith have brought them to the realization that their sins have been forgiven through the sacrificial offering of Christ on the cross, even for them, their salvation is the end of their pursuit. But one salvation must not be viewed as the end, but rather the commencement, the beginning of the soul's exploration of the infinite riches that are to be found only in Christ. How often do we likewise visualize and perceive of Jesus no differently than the crowds did back when he walked among them? How often are we praying to and envisioning him as he was as he walked amongst us here on earth, a time when his true being was veiled by his humanity? Just as Moses had to wear a veil over his face when he came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in his hand, for the people were afraid when they beheld the skin of his face shining, so the glory of the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, was veiled as he walked among us in the flesh. Stop and consider for a moment. What are your innermost thoughts regarding the transfiguration of Jesus that day on the mount? when the fashion of his countenance was altered, when his face did shine like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. Are you truthfully as comfortable with this revelation of who Jesus is, when his true glory was being manifested, as you are when you visualize him veiled in humanity, as when he walked here on earth? Neither Moses nor Elijah expressed any surprise whatsoever at his glorious condition when they were with him on the mount for they fully recognized and knew him in his state of glory, and for that reason there was no need for him to be veiled in their presence. The question is, are you desiring to commune with Christ in his glory, or simply with the human Jesus who was veiled because of our weakness, our sin, our inability to behold him as he truly is, the Son of the living God? Viewed from the heavenly and divine side of his nature, Jesus' transfiguration should indeed be the least surprising aspect in regards to his experience. There is nothing astonishing in the idea that God should be surrounded with light as with a garment, but that he should have taken upon himself human nature, that he should have been laid in a cradle, lived as a carpenter's son, and been crucified on a criminal's cross. These are the marvels. There actually were two transfigurations, that of the mount and that of the cross. And you cannot fully understand one without understanding the other. He who was on the mount was still the man of sorrows, and he who was on the cross was still the divine Son. To the heavenly host, the scene upon the mount was natural, and that on the cross was the transfiguration. To us the death was human, and the mountain scene divine. But in reality the two are one, that is, they are opposite sides of the one great mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh, and both alike are transcendently glorious. His transfiguration that day on the mount did not mean he was transformed into something that he was not, but rather he was revealed in his true majesty. There before Peter, James, and John, he was transfigured. The substance of his body remained the same, but the appearance of it was greatly altered. He did not become a spirit or some ethereal entity, but rather his body, which had appeared in weakness and dishonor, now appeared in power and glory. Christ was both God and man, but in the days of his flesh, 
he willingly took upon himself the form of a servant. He drew a veil over the glory of his Godhead. But now in his transfiguration, he put aside that veil, appeared in the form of God, and thereby gave unto his disciples a glimpse of his glory. His face did shine as the sun, the same face that he in humility hid not from shame and spitting. He that had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, in which there was nothing in his appearance that we should desire him, was transfigured before them that day in splendor and glory. One day the soldiers would crucify him and part his garments, casting lots for them. But this day his garments were as white as the light. Be not content to remain with the crowd that only desires a Savior, but rather count all as dung to know him personally, who not only shall give you his crown, his throne, and his joys in heaven, but so much more, for he desires to give you himself. It seems inconceivable to me, but I know that there are multitudes of people who follow him and yet never take the time to personally come into the very presence of Christ, nor which is even more alarming, even have the desire to do so. I can understand how Christ can be anything to them and not be everything to them. May it be our constant heart's desire, as it was with the Apostle Paul, to not remain with that crowd of worshippers who are content to linger in the outer court, those who are satisfied with going through life without ever really knowing Christ, who are strangers to this seeking to know Him at any cost. So many are content to talk about and pray to the Jesus they read about in the Bible, inspired by His words, motivated by His teachings, and impassioned by His death on the cross for their sins, but they do not yearn to know Him they know all about His birth in the manger and His death on the cross. They know all about His teachings and miracles and wondrous deeds. But though they may know all about the life of Christ, they know little of Christ as life. Do not be satisfied with thinking you know Him, hoping you know Him, but rather forsake everything else to know that you know Him. This is the beginning step in the knowledge of Christ, to know and to believe that He is Lord, to know that He is God, that He is to us both divinity and man. In this sense, we must all know Him. Let Him reveal to you His true glory, and you as the disciples who saw Him that day on Mount Tabor will never, ever be the same again.
when the disciples lifted up their eyes, they saw no man, save Jesus only. But what would it have been like for them had it been different that day? When they looked up after hearing the Father speak, there are four different scenarios which would be possible. Suppose they looked up and saw nobody with them on the holy mountain anymore. What if when the cloud had overshadowed them and they were so afraid, they lifted up their eyes and found the entire vision melted into thin air? No Moses, no Elijah, and no Jesus. They would have had to go down the mountainside consumed with questions, but there would have been no teacher there to tell them the answers. They would have descended to face the crowd being interrogated at every turn and incapable of responding. They would have to contend with the assaults of Satan without a champion to take on their cause. They would have encountered the self-righteous inquiries of the scribes and Pharisees, being unable to challenge their pompous, scholastic, religious arguments, having no wise man who spoke as never man spoke to expose the deceptions of these religious hypocrites. They would have been like sheep without a shepherd, like orphaned children left alone in the world. For the rest of their lives they would have thought back on that day on the mount with despair and despondency. For they had seen the transfiguration of their master, observed his glory, and having been exalted in their hopes and excited to great expectations, and then having it all disappear in a vapor. And yet this scenario happens each and every day. Possibly one may be carried into the presence of the Lord while hearing a sermon or reading the word or or contemplating a blessed hymn, exhilarated, lifted up into the very heavenlies. And then afterward, when it is over, there is nothing left of the joy or ecstasy or reverence that is of any consequence in their day-to-day activities. Alas, there are many in the world who hear the gospel but accept it not as relevant for them today. They hear the great deeds of the faithful in the Bible and the miracles, but they do not believe that they exist for today. In a word, they are left alone, without Moses, without Elijah, and definitely without Christ. But Christ's existence is a reality. By His Spirit He is here in His church. We have seen Him, though not with our eyes. We have heard Him, though not with our ears. We have grasped Him, though not with our hands. And we feed upon His flesh, which is meat indeed, and His blood, which is drink indeed. We have with us this very day Jesus, to whom we make known our secrets, and who bears all our sorrows. Though Moses may be gone, though Elijah may be gone, yet Jesus Christ abides with us, and in us, and we in Him. And so shall it be evermore. But what about another scenario? Possibly when the disciples lifted up their eyes, they might have seen only Moses remaining. Now we all know of someone who sees Moses only. After all the gospel preaching that there has been in the world, and the declaration of the precious doctrines of grace, after the clear revelations of Scripture, and the work of the Holy Spirit in men's heart. Yet we have among us some who persist in seeing nothing but Moses only. There are many who see Moses only inasmuch as they see nothing but law, nothing but duty and rules and precepts as they read their Bible, continually measuring themselves by the law of God, feeling their shortcomings, mourning over their transgressions, 
but going no further. They do not allow Moses to drive them to Christ. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Yes, indeed, there are many who when they lift up their eyes, all they see is Moses. A third scenario would have been if they had seen Elijah only. Instead of the gentle Savior, they might have found themselves in the presence of the roughly clad and stern-spirited prophet. Those who would feel at home on the mount then would be those who are fascinated by future prophecies rather than thoughts of a present salvation. Jesus had interpreted the prophecy of the coming of Elijah as referring to John the Baptist. And there are many who are constantly in the seeking, repenting, and preparing state of which John the Baptist spoke and yet never find their way to Jesus only. They complain that they do not feel as though they are yet ready to come to Christ. They never get so far as to behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Their souls are rent and torn by Elijah's challenge. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But they remain still halting between two opinions. For them, Elijah is all they can see. And the last scenario is when the disciples lifted up their eyes, they might have seen Moses and Elijah still with Jesus. Nothing changed. At first thought, it may seem as if this would have been superior to that which did happen, to walk down the mountain with that blessed trio. Moses could preach the law and make men tremble, and then Jesus could follow with his gospel of grace and truth. Elijah could flash the thunderbolts in their faces, and then Christ could have comforted them. What a soul-winning team they would make, and also what confusion and unscriptural havoc they would have produced. No, once you have ascended the mount and seen the glory of Jesus, it is always Jesus only. No more Moses. The law has been honored and fulfilled in Jesus. No need to retain Elijah. The prophecies are all fulfilled in Jesus. And the preparation for salvation of which Elijah preached, Jesus provides us himself. No, the disciples saw no man save Jesus only. So go not to Moses, nor Elijah, neither to the old covenant, nor seek after prophecies. Jesus only shall be your reward. To be with him where he is, to behold his glory, to be like him when you shall see him as he is. How could you want otherwise? Yes, when you lift your eyes, may you also see Jesus only.
invite you to join with us tonight at 6 p.m. as we gather together to worship our Lord. For more information and directions, please visit our website, aschurch.net.